Welcome to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. I'm so glad you're listening in today. We're going to jump into a conversation with Doug Stringer and his good friend Paul Cole of the Christian Men's Network. This was part of our Transforming Leadership series, which is a conversation we host with global leaders. And you can join us by signing up for our email list at awardinseasonpodcast.org. While you're there, you can also check out free resources. You'll find a 30-day devotional, which is our gift to you, at awordandseasonpodcast.org. Would you also take two minutes out of your day and fill out our survey there? That enables us to create content tailor-made for you. So visit awordandseasonpodcast.org, check out our free resources, and take our two-minute survey. Now let's lean in and listen today as we join Dr. Doug Stringer and Dr. Paul Lewis Cole on today's Transforming Leadership series. It's a great pleasure to have a friend, an influencer in my life, Dr. Paul Cole. He's really family, and I've had the pleasure of growing up in the ministry through Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole, the father of Dr. Paul Lewis Cole. In fact, one of the greatest landmarks in my life was in 1984, after getting to travel with Dr. Cole for at least over a year at that time, I had been privileged to be able to be a part of being the National Young Adult Coordinator, what was called the Christian Men's Network Men's Event in Houston, Texas. At that time, it was the largest gathering of men since World War II, I believe, in peacetime as far as this kind of gathering. And there was about 8,200 people, I believe. My job was to make sure that young men from 12 and 13 years old all the way through college age were there. I just remember as a young man myself, just weeping when I saw young people run to the altar at Hoffines Pavilion at University of Houston. And I remember getting on my headset that they were calling me saying, Doug, Dr. Cole wants you down here. You need to see what, what you helped to do. And I was weeping. I couldn't move. I was just just taken back by what was happening. And and we actually had kids uh, throw drugs on the platform. It was a very powerful, powerful moment. And that was long before Promise Keepers. And thank God for Promise Keepers. But that was the first gathering of men specifically to get eyeball to eyeball, face to face with the call to Christlikeness and manhood being synonymous. Ben Kinchlow was there, Dr. Cole, Big John Hall and singing. And it was just a powerful time. And that time, Paul Cole was a very well-known, recognized producer, film and television, and also was there with us. And that's where we got to meet. And throughout that process, we've stayed friends all these years. And I have the pleasure and the privilege of serving on the board of directors for the Christian Men's Network Worldwide, which also has initiatives like the Dangerous Nations Initiative, Global Fatherhood Initiative. I want Paul to to share some of those things about why we do those things today. Talk about legacy. We'll be talking about that as well, because legacy is generational. And I just believe that God has allowed us to take the legacy of what was founded, the sacrifices already made and laid that Dr. Cole made for us. And we have reached more men in more nations than even before when Dr. Cole was with us. That means he's left us that kind of a legacy and the multiplication of the kingdom of God and transform lives, marriages, communities, and nations. So Dr. Paul Cole, thank you so much, brother and friend, for being with us. Would you just uh, greet everybody and just begin to share what's on your heart? Because I believe you have so much to share about legacy, and you also have so much to share about your personal leadership journey and even the unexpected challenges along the way to see the fruitfulness of what we have today. Well, unexpected challenges are to be expected, aren't they, Doug? 
Uh, great to be with you. And we love, uh, Judy and I love you and Lisa and uh, thrilled with what the Lord's doing through your ministry. Yeah, I see the sign. I see the thing behind you, Legacy. And we put it in a book called Just a Bartender, which is back here. <laughs> and that is that what a man does in life becomes history, but what he puts into motion becomes his legacy. So when we talk about the legacy of my father, let's say every single one of us has a legacy. Joe Girard, back in the 60s, wrote a book called The Greatest Salesman Who Ever Lived. It was about himself. And he was a car salesman. And he realized, he, he went to some memorial services, funerals. And he realized, Doug, that there were about 148 people, 150 people at each of these on average. And he said, wait a minute, uh, everybody impacts that many people. And he thought, every single person I talk to has that many people behind them. And he began a, a sales program that was called the Affinity Sales Program that everybody uses now. But it struck me when I read that years ago that we all have impact. We all have influence. Remember my dad told the story, Doug, about um, they, my mom and dad were walking in New York and they were walking by a shop. And in that shop was a window and it had a dress on a mannequin, a dummy and this mannequin's got that, that dress on it. My, and my mom said to my dad, hey, that's beautiful. And he, he kind of thought, well, yeah, whatever. And he thought, yeah, I don't really, I don't think it's that great. Uh, he didn't really want to spend the money was the bottom line. So he looked at it. And so they walked on by. The next day, he came in from some ministry time into their hotel room. And on the bed in their hotel room was that dress. And all of a sudden, he it hit him. That dummy has more influence than I do. All of us have influence. And so, Doug, it's, it's Colossians 1.17, that if Christ is the center of our lives, everything we do has impact and influence for the kingdom. So when you talk about legacy, it's what you and I are supposed, how we're supposed to live and how men are supposed to live. And so that, that is on my heart. That is on my heart for every single man, that his life would have significance, that what he does in life would have impact, that he would find his purpose in Christ. Because when we find our identity in Christ, we find our purpose. Because identity produces, identity comes from your definition. Identity is the story you tell yourself about yourself, right? And so that definition, what happened to you, Doug, when somebody cares was birthed, it's because God put a new identity in you, a definition of who Doug Stringer is. And it went from uh, the things you identified with, uh, bodybuilding and the things in the streets and the things that you were living before. And all of a sudden, it became about other people. And somebody cares really isn't just a title. It's a lifestyle of Doug and Lisa Stringer. And of those of us who follow Jesus Christ. So what's on my heart right now is that every man would live the, a totally fulfilled life, a passionate life in following Christ, find his purpose and be fully successful in life. And that is to fulfill his personal design. So, dude, I'm and I'm all about uh, rescuing children, because if we raise up strong men, every child deserves a loving dad. You talk about the stuff happening down in McAllen. And the other places that somebody cares is working. Some of the things you're doing in the inner city in Tampa, uh, Baltimore, incredible outreach that you're doing in Baltimore. 
Every child deserves a loving dad. And when we bring Christ into a neighborhood and into a man's life and into his heart, it changes everything in his life. So we're passionate about reaching men for Jesus Christ. And uh, to end the scourge and the, um, the death rate of fatherlessness, child abuse, and human trafficking. So when you ask me what, what am I, what's going on, man, I'm just passionate about reaching the dangerous nations and uh, the things we're doing. I'm passionate about being in brotherhood with someone like you and the other men that we're in brotherhood with, with the Christian Men's Network. Well, that brings up a lot of good points. What are the fundamental non-negotiables that we as men need to help our families, as Dr. Cole would say, guide, guard, and govern? And then with this identity crisis that you're talking about, there is a misinterpretation or even a skewed understanding of biblical masculinity. One of the things that you and I were talking about the other day, and I think I texted you from the gym, actually, that I just said, the thing about the Christian Men's Network and our brotherhood of men around the world that has impacted nations, I just thought there's so many men's books, so many men's events, so many men's gatherings, which are all great, but the difference is that we've been able to create an environment in the last four decades of relationship equities that have literally transformed communities and nations. And so I want us to talk a little bit about that. What's the difference between an organizational institution, which are necessary infrastructures and events versus this culture of brotherhood and that Christ-likeness and manhood are synonymous. The definition of a culture for me, and I just, you know, share with you the things that, that I, uh, when you talk about immutables, they're uh, non-negotiables. For me, culture is based on those things that I approve of and then the things that I'm not okay with. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty guy way of saying it. These are the things that I believe are my core values. That produces my culture. And every single man has a culture that he buys into, and it's how he navigates his life. And the issue in masculinity right now in the world today is masculinity is being torn down. And the reason it's being torn down is because when you have strong men and you have order, and I don't mean strength externally, I'm talking about internal strength. The true strength of a man is on the inside, not the outside. The man who is weak on the inside tries to prove his strength on the outside. I think Isaiah 3 said it, said it so well, because the tearing down of masculinity is the desire for self to be above anybody else. In other words, what I believe should be preeminent about me. And the word of God teaches us that his word should be above us, right? His presence, who he is. When I want to be just, when I want to be full of pride and selfish and push God away, then I'm also going to push away anything that speaks of order or his presence on the earth. So the tearing down of masculinity is, is this. It's, it's uh, Isaiah 3. And Isaiah 3, it's, it's a great scripture because it's God being really a little upset with Israel that says, hey, I can do my own thing. I, I think I've got this and I don't need you. And so Isaiah 3, God says, okay, you don't think you need me? I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll just back off. I'll let you be whatever you want to be. I'll let you go your own way. This is a prodigal son, right? Luke 15. You just go on, do your own thing. And so he says, but here's the deal. It's kind of like the old joke, Doug. Remember the old joke about the scientists that said, uh, we're going to disprove God. We're going to disprove that all of this creation stuff happened. So they all gathered and you know, it's the old joke about they all gathered 
And they, they got on a patch of dirt and they said, we're just going to prove that God didn't do this. It could happen by some certain scientific method. And God spoke down and said, yeah, but you got to start with your own dirt. You got to start from nothing. And so Isaiah 3, God says, okay, you think you can do this? Here's what I'll do. Isaiah 3 says this, Doug. It says, for behold, the Lord of hosts takes will take away from Jerusalem and from Judah your security, your supply of bread, and your supply of water. And that speaks of his presence. He's going to take security. That's a father. He's going to take your supply of bread. That's Christ. And he's going to take your supply of water. That's the Holy Spirit. He says, so I'm going to tell, take my presence from you. And then the first two things, he says, the first two things I'll take out of the culture that will start it to tip over, kind of like cutting a log, right? If you're cutting a tree down and you don't want it to hit your house, you notch it on the way you want it to be, the way you want it to go. And men are like trees. We tend to fall the way we're leaning. And so what God says, I'm going to take two things out of the culture. When I take these two people out of the culture, it's going to begin to tip over. He says, I'm going to take out of your culture the hero and the warrior, the hero and the warrior. Every great culture is built on the courage of its heroes, or excuse me, the character of its heroes and the courage of its warriors, the character of its heroes and the courage of its warriors. It's true of every great culture. It's true of every great family. It's true of every great church the character of heroes, and the courage of warriors. And those two things have been emasculated. And the emasculation is because people want to push away God. And that's the culture in which we live. And so now fatherlessness rises up. And fatherlessness is really just a man desiring his own way, regardless of what happens to anybody else. Fatherlessness will equate to childishness. Childishness, for instance, when Ashley was younger, your daughter's younger, when my boys were young and they want to go, they're starting to push the envelope, right? And they want to do their own thing. And you sort of let them go a little ways and then you kind of pull them back in because selfishness will lead and their personal desires will lead to their destruction. So God wants us to be connected to him. Selfishness creates fatherlessness. Because when a child wants its own way, it doesn't care what happens. So Ashley or, or Brandon or whoever, they, they want to do their own thing. They don't realize what's going to happen to other people. They don't realize the unintended consequences. They don't, they don't understand what's going to happen to them. They're the center of their own universe. They don't care about anything else. Fatherlessness is a result of pride, arrogance, and selfishness. And fatherlessness is the leading indicator of poverty in every culture of the world. 220 million children will be abused, mistreated, or neglected this year worldwide, according to the United Nations reports. It might even be greater because of the pandemic. So fatherlessness comes from the fact that we've removed from our culture heroes and warriors. We've torn down heroes, we've torn down their statues, Maybe some of them didn't need to be erected in the first place. That's another discussion. But we've torn down heroes and warriors. We've torn down those people who brought protection. We've torn those things down because we are childish as a culture and we desire our own way. And when we do that, we push back on the hand of God. And so we're living in a fatherless culture. And let me just finish up that whole thing on poverty because you deal with this all the time. 
And I've learned a lot from you. I've learned a lot from our friends in Baltimore and others who are involved in this. And that is in the United States where, where I live, where you live, you know, we have uh, hundreds, thousands of what are called food deserts. That's, that's a family that cannot get fresh produce within three miles of their home. It's a family that can't get uh, particular types of produce or goods within five or six bus stops, right? So what happens is it creates a food desert. University of Stanford, Stanford University, did a study last year, which is fascinating to me. And they said that, that the average single mom, again, we're dealing with fatherlessness and poverty, the leading indicator of poverty, Basically, uh, a child without a father in the home, which is 19 million plus in the United States right now, uh, that child is 400% greater to go into poverty than a child who has a father. So the thinning of the cortex, which is the way we remember stuff, happens because of malnourishment. So basically, fatherlessness leads to malnourishment, which leads to lower test scores, which starts a vicious, vicious cycle and the only thing that changes all that is Christ, Jesus. Because when a man becomes a follower of Christ, he takes he accepts responsibility to be the hero and the warrior for his children. Man, I can go on forever on this stuff, Doug. Remember that whole line about uh, you asked me the history of the you asked me the time of day I give you the history of the watch. <laughs> Again, you opened up a whole new set of files in the drawer here because yeah. we went originally talking about this identity crisis that creates a chain reaction that yeah. impacts the culture at large and then we begin to see this lawlessness anarchy take place because there's no orders and the entropy of this is that there's no order because god is no longer at the center of our direction so you had mentioned even about how we can be childish even as men or as individuals and you know, we call that compensatory facades. We compensate on the outside for the lack or the hurt on the inside. Again, coming back to identity crisis, there is a crisis of biblical manhood yeah. that affected all of our society and culture, including families. And so we're seeing the unraveling of families at a time we need family units more than ever before. You had talked about the three things that every man needs. What are those? And then also tell us a little bit about how, as Christian Men's Network, how we were even launched in the first place. Christian Men's Network was, if you will, a response 44 years ago to the childishness of men, the demasculinizing. Is that a word? We'll have to ask Jody if that's a word. It could be, it could be a word, or we just made it a word. But the whole fact is, is that the pulling back on masculinity and, the, and what we're talking about, we need men. And when men are strong, it's a strength from the inside. I fully understand the confusion about toxic masculinity and biblical masculinity, because even the, the American Psychology Association, when they put out the report two years ago, uh, it came out just about two and a half years ago on dealing with, with men in counseling, they interchanged the words uh, toxic masculinity with classical masculinity. And the problem is in, in definitions. So let's go back to your thing about definitions. How you define something determines its use. So how I define myself determines my decisions. If my definition doesn't have a center on it, so now I've got a young man 
one of the first things, one of the most important things, and I'll get back to the three things. One of the most important things a father does for his child outside of security and provision is to give them a name, to give them a name. In other words, an identity, a father provides identity for his children, for his daughter and his son. And it's a proven thing. The closer a child, and this is uh, Dr. Warren Farrell in the boy crisis talked about this. Others have done this. University of Pennsylvania did a study on uh, how the closeness of a father, the actual physical closeness of, of a father can actually determine the future of a child. It's amazing. But the, the biblical look of it, Doug, is that when a child is held close to his father and feels that sense and strength of masculinity and protection and that freedom to become who they were designed to be, when they feel the breath of the father, the breath of the father is the same thing, that pneuma that happened, that ruach that happened when Adam was created and the breath of God flowed into us, that same breath. Every child needs that. What every man needs in their lives, and we talk about this quite often, is they need the presence of God. Without the presence of God, we don't have a center because we don't have an identity. Identity is the story you tell yourself about yourself, and most men are telling themselves stories that somebody else wrote the lyrics to. So they're telling themselves a story that's smaller than what God designed them to be. That's good. Remember uh, what we teach in, in CMN, my dad taught you and me, was when, when you let somebody else create your world, they'll always create it too small. To be a follower of Jesus Christ is to find the true freedom of, to, of becoming what your purpose on the earth is. Why was the early church so full of women? Because in that day and in that culture, women were absolutely, talk about toxic masculinity, it was a toxic culture. In fact, one of the most beautiful moments where, where Christ and the whole biblical narrative of the second covenant of, of the New Testament was is shown and the freedom for all of us to find ourselves in Christ is shown that the first witnesses that came back from the empty tomb were women. Because in that culture, the word of a woman would not even be taken in a courtroom. But women were looked at as used as, as pawns and chattel. But Jesus Christ took the woman who was caught in adultery, looked at her, and said, you have worth, you have value. Who's the one that can accuse this precious gift of humanity? And so women found their freedom in Christ. Christianity brings freedom to people. That's the thing where people get confused about biblical masculinity and toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity, you and I, Doug, are, uh, have been warriors against men acting childish, men abusing women, uh, men abusing their families. You and I have been warriors about that for years. And when you interchange those definitions and you misuse that, you begin to take the whole thing and you misdefine who we are as followers of Christ. We're inclusive. We love people. I don't care who you are, what's happened to you, where you've been, what your orientation is. I love you in Christ because that's who we're called to be as followers of Christ. And yet we raise a standard, and that standard is biblical Christianity, biblical love, and Jesus Christ. So the three things we need, number one, a, a the presence of God in our lives, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way to the Father, that's Christ. There's not many paths to one God. 
There's one path. His name is Jesus. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is the gospel. Number one, the presence. Uh, number two, what a man needs in his life is to be a man who goes after the fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5. Okay. Patience, love, brotherhood. And so the whole thing about the fruit of the spirit, so often we overlook because Doug, we love, we love home runs. We love uh, 70 yard touchdown passes. We love a team that makes 23 pointers in a game. <laughs> you know, we love the big hit, the big shot, the big thing. But life is built one small step at a time. And so the fruit of the spirit is what we need as, as men in our lives. And I'm talking men because that's what I do. I'm a, I'm a man specialist, if you will. And so we need, we need to go after the fruit of the spirit. And then it's what Jesus said, love God, love others. We need to be people who are generous with our time, our finances, and who we are in our world. The Egyptians used to bury guys with all their stuff, right? That's why when they open up the caves or the pyramids or the different things they've found, they find all this guy's treasure and his stuff. They just buried him with his stuff. And the fact is, you and I know we don't take any of our stuff with us. But what we leave behind, what we leave behind is our legacy. And what I want is my legacy. And what you have is your legacy, Doug, is people are going to say, yeah, did he drive a pickup or did he drive a, <laughs> no, it's think of all the hundreds of thousands and millions of people whose lives have been radically changed because they've been fed, because when they when there was a hurricane, there was an earthquake, there was something that happened, you guys were there, you were on the ground. And, and the fact is, Doug, and most people don't know this, but uh, quite often the things we see around hurricanes and, and natural disasters and things that have happened, school shootings, whatever it may be, there's a lot of us that rush in, a lot of people, a lot of groups. And two weeks later, most of those groups are going on to the next one. And what somebody cares does, is somebody cares, stays until the thing is solved. You've still got people on the ground on, on some things that happened four and five years ago. And they're still working through some of the issues that, that are a result of that. And I think that's who we are as Christians and followers of Christ. And so to be a man of God, number one, connected with him, connected with him. Number two, connected with ourselves. It's, it's like the, the most difficult place of forgiveness because Christ forgave us, asked us to forgive others. The biggest problem you and I have is as men is forgiving ourselves. That's the most difficult place. So I say, so we're connected with, with God, connected with ourselves, connected with others. That's good. Well, you know that you, know, you use the word toxic masculinity, and I do agree that we have redemptive side of masculinity, and we have the unregenerate side of masculinity, and we've seen that lived out today in much childishness. No young man or, or woman sets out in life to say, I can't wait to fail. I can't wait to be confused, to have an identity crisis. I can't wait to go through struggles. But along the way, we all go through unexpected personal challenges that then pressure magnifies, right? And Dr. Cole, your father taught us that, that pressure magnifies. So in the midst of struggles and pressures, you find out what people are really made of. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that your, your father, Dr. Cole, used to say fame uh, may come in a moment, but greatness comes with longevity. But for that to happen, there has to be the root of character to take us beyond what our personalities, what our, our personal giftings can do. And you can tell a lot by what people do with their time, 
yeah. their talents and their treasuries or their treasures. And uh, many men today are about their own gaining of those things, but they don't know how to steward those things. So today we have, as Dr. Cole taught us, that love desires to give at the expense of self, whereas lust desires to get at the expense of others. That's what creates toxic masculinity, isn't it? When we have a self-absorbed, a self-centered view of our world that everyone else needs to fit into rather than how can we be people who serve? Dr. Cole taught us we start with the positive and we end with the positive. So we know and are cognizant of the challenges that we face today, but we're also faced with great opportunity at a moment to see lives changed. You know, and think about it this way, Doug. I think it's the greatest time in history to be a kid. <laughs> I mean, we, there are so many things. My grandchildren have so many blessings and benefits. And I don't mean just because of their position or where they live or something like that. Every child, basically there's, there's a world that's, that's more open now than ever before for them to go after dreams and after their desires and what's in their heart. Uh, that's why fatherlessness is such a crisis and such a problem because they don't have anybody to give them a definition. And when a man doesn't have a definition, when a man doesn't have a vision for his future, he'll always return to his past. And what happens is we misdefine things. I'll give you an example. We misdefine what peace is. Peace in the world, we define it as the absence of conflict, the absence of war, the absence of storms. Man, I want a life that's just at peace. Well, what basically what you're saying is you want to, you just want to exit. Because the only time you'll ever find peace is when you leave this world, in that sense, if that's your definition. But those of us who are followers of Christ find peace in the fact that Jesus said he came as the Prince of Peace. So peace is no longer the absence of conflict or the absence of storms, but the presence of Christ in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the conflict. So let me hit this thing on success. Because men want success, respect, legacy in their lives. Young men today want a sense of purpose, belonging, brotherhood. They want to know that they're part of a community. They want to know what the purpose is in life. You know, why am I here? What's this all about? And success, let me just define that. Success is not having, you know, more stuff. Success is not about being on the cover of a magazine. There's many men who are, who, looked successful, but turned out to be failures who have been on the cover of magazines. And it's, it's not having 22s on your, you know, on your car. Success, here, let me define it, is to fully satisfy your personal design. To fully satisfy your personal design. So purpose in life, let me say this, because many of us have a sense, Doug, that, man, I've messed it up. I have totally messed up the plan of God for my life. As if the plan of God is like this railroad track. And if I get off and I can't find my way back, heck with it. I'm not going to make it anyway. I might as just spin out. But the plan of God is the redemption of the earth. Within the plan of God is a purpose for your life. And the beauty of being a person of purpose and finding my purpose in Christ is he gives me the freedom to color in or to color outside the lines. Basically say, hey, my purpose in life is to glorify him and to love people. And when I do that, I'll find my place on this earth and in Christ. You know, I hope that answers your question. But the whole identity thing, I mean, the, the identity crisis of men, 
Toxic masculinity, what's that the result of? It's the result of the original three sins, you know, the pride of life, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, right? And that creates toxicity. So when you talk about strength of a man, that's the opposite of toxicity. Quite often, what we what we misdefine a strong man is, oh, you're talking about men being, you know, uh, gung-ho, pushing people down, all that. No, I'm talking about a man who's strong on the inside. And the stronger a man is on the inside, the more gracious he can be on the outside. Stronger a man is in his core and his identity, the more loving he can be of others. And a man who has his own identity is not concerned about somebody else getting something. In fact, he can rejoice in his friends. Hey, man, awesome. You got a new job. That's awesome. Well done. Hey, you had this thing come happen. You found this piece of property. Dude, I'm excited for you. Why? Because I don't find my identity in that stuff. I find my definition in Christ, and I find that love that comes out of my heart is I'm genuinely excited about what's happening with that guy's life. So if we want to change the world in which we live, it won't happen by law. It'll happen by love. But love has to be defined as the center of Christ in us. So we're excited about what happens to others. Back in 2001, it had been planned before 9-11 happened, obviously, but it still continued after a couple of weeks after 9-11 was the global celebration for women. And it was time for women's ministries of all connecting together around the world. And they were going to be at the Astrodome in Houston, which they did go to the Astrodome. And you and I were involved in that. Of course, Joanne, your sister, was involved. And and I remember when I was asked to speak at that, and it was after uh, 9-11 happened, and I remember speaking and just saying, First of all, apologizing for the wrong examples because we knew that manhood and Christ-likeness are synonymous, and Christ would never dishonor, disrespect, and abuse women the way that many men have. And I challenge men to this day that a man who is secure in his identity in Christ is not intimidated by the gifts and strengths of women. We celebrate Instead of competing, we celebrate the talents and the gifts and the strengths that God has brought in our wives and women around us, that we celebrate their gifts rather than being intimidated by them because we're secure in our identity in Christ. So as a man, Paul, you've seen things ebb and flow over the decades, and you said that we're at a great time right now because this is an opportunity for men who have felt emasculated or felt like they're losing sight of their identity and direction, this is an opportunity for us to bring the hope of glory, Christ Jesus, into the situation. You know, Doug, if you didn't have a strong identity in Christ, if you didn't know who you were, Lisa would have just kept on walking by, man. (laughs) Because she is a warrior. Our wives are warriors. And uh, they even have the sweatshirts. It's true, too. And, and so I have a t-shirt that says my husband rocks. And one time she was on a plane and the man says, oh, come on, you've got that. You got to be kidding. Right. She goes, no, it's for real. She had to explain to him. I really wear the shirt because I believe it. So uh, so here's the deal. You know, I think you're absolutely right. And the reason I say I believe that we're in one of the greatest eras, you know, I kind of went over to another place about being kids and all that sort of stuff. It's a great time to be kids. But I also believe it's we're some of the greatest churches that have ever been planted are being planted now. Some of the greatest pastors right now that'll ever they'll ever preach a sermon are in their 20s and 30s. And here's why: because there are men like you, Doug, 
and men like Dino Rizzo and, and men like Keith Holden and, and men like Ed Preston and men who are fathers in the faith, who are not covetous, who are not intimidated, who are, who are fathers. Paul said this, he said to the church in Corinth, he said, he wanted to describe his love for them. And he said, I love you like a father. He said, you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but not many fathers. And the key there, Doug, is a father, an instructor tells you what he knows, but a father gives you who he is. And so a father is excited about what's happening. So fathers in the faith, the men I see, uh, you know, like Rick Warren and, and Bishop Bronner and others, when they see young men succeeding, they're excited about it. They're rooting for them. They're encouraging them. They're not saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, we'll see how long he lasts or we'll see what happens there. I remember uh, I remember when uh, my pastor, Phil Pringle, was planting his church in Australia. He went to a very well-known church in downtown Sydney. He was there on a Sunday night, and the pastor was really well-known. And I, I won't mention who it is, but I'll tell you later. It'll crack you up. But the guy, very older man in the faith, or a father figure in the faith, stood up, looked out there, and, and Phil and, and the guys that were with him thought, well, maybe he's going to bless us. He's going to at least encourage us. And he looked at us, oh, I see you're going to plant a church. Well, give it a go, boys. Give it a go. That was it. That was and even now, knowing who it was who did it, because that man's son has turned out to be an amazing pastor. But it wasn't encouraging. It wasn't uplifting. And now today we see men like Chris Hodges and, and other great pastors who are not only encouraging, or Steve Kelly or others, we're not only encouraging, but they're saying, hey, I'm going to put some funding into that. I think of Pastor Walt Landers, who is, who's on our board and is helping fund churches and, and young pastors and leaders and encouraging them and saying, hey, go for it. You know why I think the future is going to be better is because there's fathers. And you know what I think is going to happen in the midst of all this? The enemy is going to try their best to just yank the chain out of that whole thing. I believe we're in a war. I believe we're in a fight. It's in Joel 3.9. It says, wake up the mighty men, prepare for war. And the one thing we can never forget is we're in a battle. John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy and I believe the destruction for most men is not the tip over their lives into immorality, but just the ripping away of their dreams. And, and a man ends up in his life hitting 50 or 45 or whatever it may be, whatever that age is where he decides, I'm just coasting in. I'm just going to coast in. I believe we live in the most exciting era. I've got friends who are in their 80s now. I would think of John Maxwell, who had lunch with his father when his dad was 94, and he talked about it the other day over at uh, Robert Morris's church. And uh, John said he had lunch with his dad a few years ago. His dad since just passed away, I think. And his dad was 94. And he said, John, John, he says, I think the next few years are going to be the greatest years of my life. And John says, Dad, you're 94. He goes, yeah, I know, but there's so many cool things happening. And I believe that's the way we're supposed to live. I believe that's what's happening right now on the earth. I believe that's why God's blessing somebody cares. I believe that's why you're writing the books that you're writing about the net and about fatherhood and the things you're doing, Doug, because you're acting as a father. You're encouraging young guys. You're saying, hey, let's go for it. And let's reach these people and the stuff you're doing in Rio Grande Valley and the stuff you're doing on the border. And it's not like the border crisis happened and then Doug showed up. You've been there for years. 
You've been in the inner cities of America for years. You were on the shores of Indonesia uh, and ready to help, even when uh, Banda Eka and all that stuff, I can't pronounce it, you can't. When all that stuff happened, because you were you you put yourself in a position to be ready. And it's because of fathers like you. And because of fathers, and I can go on down the line, you know, uh, a young father in faith like Ken Harrison. It's because of fathers in the faith that I think that the next generation is going to be absolutely incredible. So you know what the enemy's trying to do? Trying to rip off their definition, trying to misdefine what Christianity is. So now when you think of a Christian, oh, you're homophobic. Oh, you're this. Oh, you're this. You're that. And the world has tried to redefine or misdefine Christianity to say all these things so that the enemy can rip off the definition of our next generation. Because I believe they're going to be some of the greatest young men and women who have ever lived. Your daughter with her her music and her albums she's working on. Uh, my kids with the stuff they're working on. Uh, I just, dude, I'm telling you, I'm so fired up about the next generation. But it, it, we have to raise up fathers. The problem right now, let me give you just a couple of quick stats. 90% of the 13-year-olds who are in churches today in America, and I'll tell you, any westernized nation, this is the same, whether it's Australia, Indonesia, even parts of Uganda, 90% of the 13-year-olds in church today will be gone by the time they're 23. That's the culture and era in which we live. I believe the enemy's trying to rip off their identity and rip off fathers and trying to pull dads out of there. Because when we have strong dads, we raise up strong young men and women who know who they are in Christ and change the future of the world. If you just share a moment about your personal leadership journey, and you touched on generational mantles. And so you're walking in a generational mantle. I'm the beneficiary of a generational mantle from men like Dr. Evan Lewis Cole and so many others that I've been connected to the last four decades through the Ministry of Christian Men's Network. How have you been able to maneuver the expectations from that generational mantle in your life, but recognizing your own personal walk and identity in Christ that enhances that mantle? That's a fascinating question. You know, when you talk about leadership, you know, Jesus never taught leadership, he taught servanthood, but it's hard to get somebody to uh, buy that book or go to that conference. So I think we've taught leadership to the point where we've created, uh, put men in leadership that don't have the character base for it mm-hmm. and, and had guys, you know, they, they want, I want to be a leader. But what that does is that that just basically kind of feeds into the, the base of our culture. You know, we, we were put here on the earth to serve others, to serve him, love him. So my leadership journey, you know, going back to being one of the first employees at Trinity Broadcasting Network. I've learned from a lot of great people. I started a business. Uh, well, I've started five businesses. Two of them went really well. So, uh, you know, you learn from those things. I've probably learned this more from sorrow than I've learned from joy. I believe that, uh, you know, when I look back on, on the journey of my life, uh, helping my dad start the ministry, I was in business most of my life. And then five years after he passed away, we relaunched uh, the ministry. Uh, you were there in November of 2007. Uh, relaunched the ministry. And it was actually through your encouragement and Robert Berger and some other friends who said, hey, let's grab a hold of this thing and relaunch it. Today, we're in 134 countries and 39 languages and just finished the uh, languages for Iran and set up our broadcasting maximized manhood into Iran for September of this year. Just had 2,400 pastors in uh, five different days of training with Vinshar Dobbins, who 
Bishop T.D. Jakes' men's pastor, with Tom Lane from Gateway Church, with you, Doug, uh, with Sam Masteller, uh, with our dear uh, friend who's just left for Heaven's Shores, Rob Carmen, and others teaching. You know, all of this stuff, really leadership comes down to the willingness to serve others, to love even at the expense of yourself, to work at midnight like you do. We, we have texted back and forth at midnight. After midnight. <laughs> after midnight. More you after midnight than me, which is a whole funny marriage story that you and Lisa have told a few times. <laughs> now, Lisa was going to change that. Now she stays up as late as you do. But the fact is, is that, you know, we live and breathe this. It's not a job. It's a calling. And the calling of God in your life. I remember Robert Morris, when, when he felt two years into building Gateway Church, he felt like quitting. In fact, he was quitting. He met my dad. And he, and he wrote about it in a book called Real Man. It's the foreword to, to the book Real Man. In fact, I have it uh, right here, the Real Man book. Uh, August the 23rd, we start every Monday night. I'll be teaching this for 13 weeks. The foreword by Robert Morris, where he talked about my, he ran into my dad, a divine encounter. And dad in a Starbucks over here at 1709 in Whitechapel. And Robert said, Dr. Cole, I'm going to quit. Here's why. And it was just, there was a number of issues. And he and my dad finally grabbed him and said, Robert, did God call you to do this? Yes. Did God call you to do it your way, not somebody else's way? Robert said, yes. And my dad said, then just go do that. Robert says, Dr. Cole, you're the voice I needed to hear. You're absolutely right. I called Debbie. said, Debbie, I'm back in it with a passion. They, in a sense, relaunched. And today it's one of the great churches in the world. But the fact is, is that the calling of God, when, we'll, when we will take our own definition, the desires we have, Doug, you know, the thing that, that we easily lean into, whether it's I want money or I want to be famous or I want to do this or that. And if we'll, the way he said in No Higher Calling, the way the writer said, if we'll say, Lord, whatever your will is, I'll do that. And I'll serve others to the benefit of others. Then the true purpose of our life will actually come forward because now it's free to come out of us because it's not covered up by all the stuff that so easily, as Paul said, besets us. So leadership, I, I think leadership, true leadership comes from the absolute willingness to serve others, no matter what it looks like for you. And I also believe, Doug, that's the definition of courage. And it's the basis of character. And those two things we started the conversation with, heroes and warriors. A hero is just a man who shows up in a, in a moment of need, willing to give himself for the sake of others. One of our challenges in success is stewarding success. So yeah. it's not that we set out to fail, but I think the failures come when we don't know how to steward even some of the successes and the temptation to even the selling or compromising our convictions, the selling of our soul. Yeah, and success, you know, Doug, let me just say this. Success has tipped over more guys than failure has. Exactly. Exactly. I wrote in um, my book, Leadership Awakening, to effective leaders or men recognize their role as servants and are willing to wash people's feet as an example to others. In mm -hmm. contrast, toxic or seditious leaders are always trying to build their own kingdom and serve themselves. At the end of the day, it's what I've learned from Dr. Cole and learned from the, our fellowship, the Christian Men's Network, is that to love is to give, to lust is to take. And at the end of the day, we have to learn to help build up others, leveraging others that they might succeed. Our greatest successes are not so much in what we do ourselves, 
but in who we could leverage, they might succeed and bring lasting fruit. Hey, what's your what's your quote? Doug? Give it to everybody again about Jesus and the towel. It's about one of my favorite quotes in the world. While men reach for thrones to build their own kingdoms, Jesus reached for a towel to wash men's feet. That's so it, Paul, would you pray for us and give us any parting words and pray that for all the, in fact, I see our friends in Brazil are on right now and they've been on this call. I know your books and my books are all in Port- Portuguese and Brazil and University of the Family there and they're on the, online with us. So that's part of leaving, Alexi, but the books we leave are not the legacy themselves. It's the lives we live that yeah. leave the legacy. Yeah, book, you know, in that sense, Doug, uh, we've seen men tip over who had written what I thought were some pretty good books, but it disqualified their book. Uh, so what, what, what is left is, is what people have done with their lives and, and put into others. I, I'm reminded as I, before I pray of the of the note that big Tommy Sorodnik said about my father, Dr. Cole, he said, while most men build monuments, Ed Cole built men. Mm, that's good. And I believe Doug, that that's uh, what you've done, what you're doing. And, and I, you know, I can enumerate so many who are just amazing fathers in the faith that we have in our culture. I think as a, as a young man, I think the thing is to go find those guys. Don't be taken by just the latest thing that came down to, you know, the Instagram, you know, feed. Don't be taken by the latest, you know, hey, this is a cool book and everybody's reading this or whatever. Go find the gray hairs. Go find the men of wisdom. Go find the men who have scars. Go find those guys. Go find the men who walk with a limp and ask that guy. Learn from that man because he'll also tell you about his mistakes and we'll learn from that and grow from that. Let me pray a blessing over your father's blessing over everyone who's listening to the podcast and and who's on this Zoom. And thank you for being on this with somebody cares. Father, I do thank you for your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness to us. Father, I am uh, overwhelmed with the goodness of your love, how much you love us, that you love us with a passion, the passion of a father. And I pray right now, Father, that blessing on everyone listening, everyone part of this call and on this podcast. Father, I prayed over Doug and Lisa and Ashley. I prayed over, Father, over somebody cares and Jody and everyone concerned. I prayed over everyone connected with Christian Men's Network. I pray the blessing of the Father. I pray a blessing that are going out and they're coming in. I pray, Father, Psalm 107 that says, we asked for help and you answered. I say, I pray Psalm 46, you are the God who is always there. I pray Psalm 91, you are the one who heals us. And I thank you, Father, right now for the promise of Psalm 131 that says, hope now, hope always. Hope now, hope always. We we live in that, we breathe in that, and I pray that blessing on everyone right now, that their heart, according to Romans 15, 13, that their heart be filled with hope that they would radiate with hope in the name of Jesus to the glory of the Father by the empowering presence of your Holy Spirit. We speak these things that they be truth in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, both of us have things we could share about. It's not so much what we just read and see on the surface. The character of Amanda, to see the influence your dad had in so many people's lives, my life, I know you have stories of things that were significant that had nothing to do with what was written or what was even spoken, but seeing in private that the man of character was who he was in private as well as in public. And so we'll need to have another follow-up 
uh, chat with you on that at some point. Thank you, everybody, for being on today. Thank you, Paul, again, for sharing your life, your heart, for being the man of character that God has raised you to be and to leading such a great movement through the Christian Men's Network worldwide and all the initiatives that we get to be a part of. I'm honored. I'm privileged to be a part. And I just believe that the greatest days are ahead for us to see more lives change. As Dr. Cole would weep, we'd be driving in the van. I remember and he, he'd be in the pastor's side and he'd pull around and pull that seatbelt by his neck. And he'd say, he'd say, God, just give me a little more time to reach more men, to impact more families. And I just remember that being the core of all the things he did around the world and being recognized as great giant of the faith. He just kept, kept it focused on let me reach more men to reach more families and literally touch nations because of it. So God bless you all. Thank you for being on today. And uh, Paul, again, thank you so much, my friend. Love you, Doug. Love you guys. We want to join you in prayer today. You can email prayer at somebodycares.org. You can also call or text our 24-hour Somebody Cares prayer line, 855-459-CARE. Be sure to head over to a word in season podcast.org. Check out our free resources, fill out our survey and download your free devotional. We want to say a big thank you for all those who have supported us during disaster and crisis response efforts. If you'd like to see the latest updates, visit somebodycares.org. We hope you enjoyed this episode of a word in season with Doug Stringer and friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.